0: Weller right and Gadalch is ta Firkin Fogha Ro Vilig orasan Octron and Trononasha, Agastav Sulangam Maneshev Janavasan Court Doin. Ahasar Makohoira, Firkin Forja Araf the Hill, I will a Jane van Abershot of Fir Havak Takoho course the Kulutanetiri Shakesaka Cosmo May I just say, first of all, on my own behalf and on Sabina's behalf, what a great pleasure it is as President of Ireland to welcome the members of the WHEEL and uh, to Oris on this afternoon and to have the opportunity of participating again in the 20th anniversary that you are celebrating. The WHEEL, Ireland's National Association of Community and Voluntary Organisations, Charities and social enterprises make such a valuable contribution in so many different ways to our our sense of community. I do want to thank Paul O'Sullivan, the Board of the Wheel, Deirdre Garvey and Sarah Monaghan and all of their colleagues for the work in helping us uh, arrange this occasion. I think that what has always struck me from the beginning about the Wheel is uh, it uh, undoes, I think, uh, a particular assumption that is often made, and made very wrong, and that is that excellence, innovation, achievement, creativity are sometimes in the commercial sector solely, and that there is a certain quality of mind which creates uh, geniuses of acquisition. Uh, My experience of all of your organisations is that, in fact, what the the sheer existence of the wheel does, it shows that all of these excellences of character and application and creativity are available in the sector that you represent, which is so important. I've had, over its 20 years, many interactions with the wheel, and since I became president, I've had the opportunity of being made familiar even more with your work, including the fact that you uh, uh, accepted my invitation to participate in the ethics initiative that I launched very early in the last period of my Presidency. I was so grateful to you for how quickly you said that you would become involved and then of course the later uh, developments including the development of the Sustainable Communities Toolkit in 2018 and then of course the discussions I had on participating, the participating people report which was published last year. Uh, People don't sometimes I think realise what in fact actually is standing behind the wheel Uh, and I think 29,000 organisations countrywide employ altogether about 190,000 people and they draw inspiration and empowerment from the members, its members, and that you represent them. You support and connect all the non-profit organisations, and uh, from the smallest community and voluntary group to the largest charities and social enterprises. And I do want to say as well as that I do read your report and I welcome the decision that you made in relation to giving uh, adjusted free membership to organizations below a particular ceiling. Uh, the contribution of the wheel uh, to our society uh, has thus been, it remains a valuable and significant contribution. And of course, it was founded on a wonderful vision, the great vision and compassion of the late Dr Mary Redmond who gave so generously of her skills and professionalism in pursuit of a fairer, more equal and compassionate society and I'm so glad (coughs) that our sister and her brother-in-law are with us this this afternoon. In addition to acknowledging the work of the Wheel, I want as an organisation, that is combining all of these different efforts. I want to thank all of its individual 1,700 members in the community and voluntary sector. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for your care, dedication and commitment to others. I think I just so want to say that it isn't just a general thank you I make, but also for the specificity of the interventions that you are making in your different ways, and particularly for those who most most urgently need it. I believe that a real republic is one where every person is encouraged and supported to participate fully and where every person and community is treated with dignity and respect. The wider work of the wheel and the organisations you represent offer citizens the opportunity to participate as active citizens, actively engaging with their communities and that is so important in helping address the issues of social isolation and social exclusion. And what I have to say, and I'd ask your patience while well, I give these kind of reflections that I'm doing now these days on economics and others, there is no such thing as soft economics and hard economics. Very often this arises in the in the. In the, 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 the texts that I read and so on. There's simply good economics and bad economics and I believe we're coming out of a period of bad economics, both of the levels of scholarship and policy and we're beginning and we're on the cusp of a new departure into a better economics and I mean in terms of rigorous scholarship uh, as well as application. Uh, I think, when I mention this, where we will all be, I think, in the next 10 years, we're going to see a totally different connection between economics and policy and, if you like, the strategies of social inclusion. But I think the instinct to belong, to be part of the significant groups that affect one's life, is a vital part of being human. A society where the emphasis on being separate from the rest is, I suggest, one in which not very many of us would wish to live. And while it is not helpful to don rose-tinted glasses when speaking of Irish society, throughout the ages, one aspect of our society and our living together, which has been of immense value to our social fabric, has been a willingness, indeed a propensity, for volunteering, which has helped, in many ways, to foster a strong sense of community. But going back to the fundamental sense of of belonging. We are paying the price across the streets of Europe for people who feel alienated from decision-making structures. We're encountering people at a personal level who feel that they have a sense of anomie, of not belonging. So this issue therefore of economics being an embedded subject within the social system is incredibly important, otherwise you are simply adjusting your people and their different experiences to metrics which are measuring a kind of abstract version of the economy. I was spending a great deal of time on this issue in in my second presidency. I think that uh, it is difficult to contemplate What our communities, I have just paid tribute to volunteering, what our communities would be like without all the time and skill and generosity for the sake of others that is invested by people. Often their most precious resource is time. But the sports clubs, community groups, the community shops, the tidy towns, the men's and women's sheds of which I'm patron, the churches and schools, they wouldn't exist and they couldn't operate without volunteering. And years, some years ago, representatives from your organisation, The Wheel, came to Oris and Oatrón and presented me with a report about its People's Conversation project, which examined the barriers that stood in the way of actively participating in society in Ireland. The report, which I've received copies of today, in its finished form, arose from a project funded by the Carnegie Trust about citizen participation in the shaping of our society. This project has seen hundreds of people take part in engaged discussions about what needs to change to create a truly inclusive and participative Ireland. You know, when you think about that, uh, it is only we have had to make significant efforts to assure that women and men were listened to, that women were listened to with equality in discussions that were very, very serious discussions. In exactly the same way, there are long, long lists of people who are still excluded from participation. When I later quote the works of people like Professor Hartmut-Rose and others, do people approach the society they live in with fear or do they approach it with wonder and a sense of belonging? This is incredibly important. There are many households i visited as president in which you have a fear of losing one's job, a fear about one's child not having a place in school, fear of, for example, not having shelter, and so forth. So is one's approach towards one's society to be one, of even in the way in which the language gets fully distorted when it isn't even fear any longer about having a home but fear of not being able to acquire a debt like everyone else in mortgage structures because the world, our planet, is sinking under a version of economy that is sourced entirely on debt and the speculative transaction of bundles of debt between countries and within countries. And the best of volunteering (coughs) when you've done it all and you've done it all It would be an insult to you and to our citizens if you were ever seen as an alternative or an excuse for those who have responsibility for all of these structural inequalities. You are not there to relieve them of their responsibilities. You are there, in fact, actually to signpost what needs to be done to achieve a social contract that is adequate and social inclusion. I think that, despite our exit from the economic crisis of due uh, entirely to uh, really the those extremists who are insisting on in a non-regulated banking system, and despite all of that, uh, we have over three hundred twenty thousand people living in consistent poverty at the end of two thousand and seventeen, which is the last year for which we have information available. So many in our society, and I'm not really like the idea often of the phrase left behind because it's not a good phrase because it's suggesting that everyone is in a gallop to some kind of insatiability. I think I prefer to say people in fact who have not been provided with the sufficiency of life, of fulfilment and participation. And I think so many, it affects so many people. The economy in a society that defines itself as a republic has to have an economy, as I've said, that is embedded in social values that will be measured as to performance and judged by how it performs for the welfare of all its citizens. So metrics judging the performance of the economy as an abstract deep identity are far short of what is a democratic evaluation of economic performance. But it is sadly, I must say, rather a tragedy as well that that kind of test of economic performance is not one that prevails, the metrics of what are circulated uh, through the media. And we need to work together to make Ireland a fairer place to live, to work, to belong, one which envisages the economy, as I said, embedded in society, where caring for each other and our children, people of all ages, older people and people with disabilities, is valued and supported. individuals, families, communities, are able to participate fully in work and society, and where a strong economy is an instrument of support for achieving the type of society in which we wish to live. And it must have a form that in terms of values governing the interaction among its citizens is not reduced to any set of transactions structured in pure market response terms must commence by, I think, acknowledging the dignity that our republic should afford as a participatory minimum. It is a problem in many of the states across the world that call themselves republics is that how thin the light of equality is within their version of republic it is incredibly important that that light of equality be made stronger, of treating each person with respect, recognising their inherent value and the value of their contribution, whatever form it takes. Inequality is now recognised by even the most conservative of writers and commentators as a major source of lost cohesion at global level. And the empirical evidence is there, one book after another, more equal societies are healthier societies and it is, we have to get to a point where to have a more equal, healthier society we must be willing to pay for it ourselves and take the responsibility of providing it for ourselves and our children. The advances that the world has made in reducing extreme poverty has slowed considerably in recent years. And eliminating extreme poverty is impossible without tackling inequality. It's fascinating to see not it's fascinating, it's appalling to think, of, despite all the advances in science and technology, I was speaking to ambassadors yesterday from different countries, that we're not using science and technology to eliminate these great inequalities between and within countries. Within country inequality, it has risen in so many parts of the world, Compared to 25 years ago, the average person alive today is far more likely to live in an economy with higher inequality. It is deepening and spreading both between and within societies. In Piketty's last work, Capital of the 21st Century, we're living with an inequality that is fundamentally and unavoidably a political choice. Those people who decide to stay indifferent are, taking re- are responsible for this situation. In fact, you have to take responsibility for governments that want to reduce gaps in income and wealth to improve the lives of their poorest are free to do so through progressive redistributive economics, through fiscal and social policies that are based on principle of universalism, equality and fairness. And a key point here is that <coughs> wealth distribution not just income, requires a policy focus. When I was a young lecturer in sociology in my late 20s and early 30s, I used to take out books the, from people like Chitmus and others, and we were speaking about universalism, that to which everyone should have access. In fact, in the last 10 years, you could hardly speak about universalism without being regarded as some kind of eccentric. The idea, it went out of fashion, and it went out of fashion because the alternative of assuming that in fact you would have a self-balancing market that should extend itself not only to the most crudest form of economics but into social policy came to prevail. I'd better restrain myself at this stage from that point of view, because I do want to say, Sabine and I, as we received you all, noticed the largest number of Sustainable Development Goal badges that you're all wearing. We act as a distribution centre here for these, and and I'm very pleased about that. But the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, especially Goal 10, which is expressly stated there to reduce inequality within and between countries, it has brought unprecedented attention to what I have just been describing. And your organisations, community, voluntary organisations, charities, social enterprises have a critical role to play in helping Ireland to meet its commitments as signatories of the 2030 agendas and the UN development goals. But particularly in raising consciousness. So I want to come in the wheel for being engaged in a number of projects that are promoting the SDGs and for being a member of Coalition twenty thirty, which is an alliance of over sixty civil society organisations that are working together to ensure Ireland keeps its promise to achieve the SDGs. I know on some of them we figure as number eleven. I was looking at the report this morning and another we're in number ten. And then there's one in relation to where we're in fact the last of fifteen. But The commitments in the 2030 agenda are after all collective commitments and that's where the strength of the United Nations lies. I spoke to the ambassadors yesterday who were here from uh, countries where there are conflicts and so on and I said we must start speaking about the United Nations as our United Nations Whatever flaws it has, it is all that we have. And at the present time, it is being undermined, underfunded, and opposed. And yet, it is our best and only source now of multilateralism. And we need a paradigm shift in our thinking. Your organizations are so important in that. And I think it's very interesting to say that let's people think that this is a pessimistic message. No. The good news is that even at the scholarly level efforts are now being made by innovative and exceptional scholars to dislodge the grip of the failing paradigm has had on policy. Here in Orson Oethron, we've had uh, visits from Professor Ian Gough, Professor Mariana Mazzucato, and Sylvia Walby's work is so important too, and we will have more of these. And these are people who are describing how, in fact, good economics is embedded economics in social policy that include, that has a participative element to it. And I think as well as that even the most conservative economists, and I speak to them uh, with courtesy, and I've spoken to them with so often about this, they now actually have written to many of them and they say that actually their model, they acknowledge, is one that is failing. The notion, for example, that in an austerity regime you cut public spending. I refrain from courtesy from saying to them that John Maynard Keynes, 80 years ago, to have told them that this is how, in fact, you turn problems into a depression. The evidence was always there. But even however late people come into the book, po- it's helpful. In a revi- even if in such a revisionist atmosphere... While the need for empirically justified government inter- investment is accepted, remember the state was driven off the field. The state must be an interventionist state if we, in fact, actually are to achieve any of the issues in relation to social equality, environment, or whatever. There is an empirical basis there for all of this. Mariana Mazzucato in her work on the, on the entrepreneurial state, is an example. So the community involuntary sector, I do say as well as this, I want to assure you as President of Ireland, I am well aware of what, in fact, the austerity model has visited on your different activities. I think that it it has meant that state funding rhetoric was drawn back. And I say openly that in relation to the circumstances in which we are now in, it remains to be restored if you are to be able to, in fact, expand and to do the... Not just expand, but survive and providing um, what you are doing. But all over the European Union, austerity policy has resulted in a deepening of the experience as, a widen, as well as a widening of the exposure to a range of attendant social ills, increased unemployment, an ever-expanding precarious employment, particularly among the young. And sadly, at the figures, the only day I was looking at them, rising child poverty. These consequences are a direct result of a protracted period of forced, constrained underinvestment by states, following a model that has been disastrous, including underinvestment in many of the sectors that you represent. For four decades now, remember, I remember reading about it, Rick Titmuss. And as he went in to die, uh, suffering from cancer, in a public hospital, in the great, that great model of human achievement, the British welfare state and the public health system. He would write about that, about what it meant. But unfortunately, for 40 years now, We have been living with a continual attack on the responsibility of the state, the role of the state and of the public world. And the exciting thing is, the new scholarship is saying and communities are organising and so forth, and they're saying we want the public world, we want a shared society. I think Professor Rosa, whose work I've been using uh, quite a bit uh, in in recent months as well, he speaks as well about a catastrophe of, of feeling. In other words, that with all of this fear of insecurity came a kind of aggression, in language. I've been quite astonished at somebody's who is nearly half a century in public life and how in fact a kind of a new aggression, an intolerance of respect for complexity, of understanding, a loss of the capacity to listen with patience even if you can't help. This is the price one pays for this kind of extreme individualism. And I think I have great faith in hope, not just in people say about young people and the environment, but I have great faith in all of the generations. The strongest thing we have here in Ireland is an intergenerational capacity to care for each other. And that's going to be so, so, so more important. So... I will have other afternoons to talk about the International Monetary Fund and the World (laughs) (laughs) Bank, and I hope in a few months' time to be in New York to uh, speak at a United Nations conference on the role of finance ministers in relation uh, uh, to development. But I do want to say to you how much I uh, appreciate all that you're doing. And I repeat again, this is good economics, this is good management, and this is the kind of work that should prevail uh, in a republic. Not an alternative to the responsibility of any government of any hue, but simply saying this is what can You are anticipating, in a way, uh, what could happen in a society that was properly organised. And uh, you, list, uh, you doubt that I say that things are changing. They are the OECD, in its m- most recent report, Beyond Growth, towards a new economic approach has said the frameworks and prescriptions which have dominated policy making in recent decades are no longer able to generate the solutions to the problems and challenges we face today. We need a less incremental, we need a more profound change. And in fairness, I do say to the OECD and those other uh, commentators of the centre and of the right, I welcome your admission that the model has failed, and I welcome your pushing it in print, that in fact you are open to a new direction. Theirs is a modest ambition. I have to say that we're in different circumstances now, and Neo-Keynesian theory will not suffice. Ian Gough has described where we are now, in terms of inequality, food hunger, and in relation to climate change, as a tragic contradiction between growth, climatic climax instability, and inequality. But I think it is all there to be achieved now, and the consciousness of, if you like, inequality, the consciousness about inequality, the consciousness about development, the consciousness about participation in life, these merged consciousness can deliver us an eco-social model with responsibility, which can bring us into the future. And as we live through this period, and we're seeking an exit from from what I have been describing as an extreme unrestrained acquisitive individualism, which is not to say. The personal is always important. No one is imposing sameness on anyone. But what we are speaking about is making it possible for everybody, citizen in a republic, to feel that they participate, that they belong, that they are bonded to something. And we must combine and cooperate for the recovery of that public world and the common good with its embedded economy that facilitates a life sensitively lived for all entering to what Professor Rosa describes as a transformed relationship of resonance. When you think of all the babies in this country being born on us any one day, in many cases, why should it be? that some can look forward to a totally different experience of, being, of not being included, of always being in fear of one security after another, while others in fact feel that they are entitled to a life of privilege and so on. No one wants us to reduce anyone, but we do have to take responsibility, as so many of your organisations do, for making the case for a floor of participatory citizenship that will lead to fulfilment. Let people exercise their choices of, of, of insatiability afterwards. The context that we're attempting to create the conditions for this new paradigm may be challenging, but they are not hopeless. I think in fact in many in many ways the transformative power of collectivity, solidarity, equality, social justice, human decency, they are all ideals that are at the heart of your mission statement in the wheel. And I think maybe I want to finish by saying this I mentioned about those for example who are achieving experiencing coldness in the version of economic social connection through which we've been living we need to recover our capacity for empathy and a deepening of democracy itself is required a democracy based on resonance how do you resonate with the world how should all our citizens take the world into themselves and into the world themselves I think we can unshackle ourselves from the purveyors of any version of political economy founded on inequality and accumulation. It isn't only a matter of rejecting something that is negative. It is a matter of actually envisioning what it is possible when in fact we can have a life of fulfillment that is open to all of our citizens. I think the paradigm shift I'm speaking about will happen, but it reduces, I think it will, assist the health of democracy itself. So may I once again thank you all for all you have done uh, through the organisation that is the combining organisation, the wheel, the component organisations of which are members, and all of the membership, and then also as well as that, those with whom you deal in Irish society, who want to know how important you are As the people who listen to them, the people who in fact offer them opportunities, the people who celebrate their capacity, all of this is so important. So I think that the efforts of the non-profit sector must be resourced sufficiently And I think you're doing something that is very, very important. You're not doing so in any haphazard way. You're doing so with professionalism. And you have sent a message over the last 20 years that there is no skill in the corporate sector that isn't available to you. There's no performance in the corporate sector or anywhere else. And neither are you in competition with the corporate sector or are you in competition with the state. You are simply people who are taking all these skills and delivering them in a way where in fact actually they might have been in the shadows of the society. It's been a long time for a long time, has been a long time for a long time. But it's been a long time for a long time, and it's been a long time for a long time. I so wish the wheel continued success in all its endeavours to build a fairer, more just Ireland. An Ireland of fulfilment, of joy and of love. And I thank you on behalf of all the countless individuals, families and communities. Those who have listened to, those you have helped. Those to whom you have given hope. And those whom you will continue to inspire in the years to come. Thank you.